This is a podcast from the Glass Bible Fellowship. Pastor Nelson Samt speaking on November 22nd, 2009. The name of the sermon is Give Thanks to Our God from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. For our scripture reading this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drank and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, Be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Thank you, Nelson. It's interesting to hear those verses about temptation in their context, isn't it? Um, What Paul was talking about when he gave us that famous promise. I like to look at uh, family photo albums um, and read histories of my own family. I think you probably do too. Uh, Especially now my parents have gone on, you begin to realize, man, what is the stories of these people in, in these old pictures of black and white Scenes, And I like to show them to my kids, and I like to try to explain to them, uh, this was your grandfather, this was your great-grandfather, this was your uncle, uh, you had your grandpa's eyes, uh, you looked a little bit like your auntie. And uh, just to give our kids a sense of who they are and where they came from. And pictures are very important for that. I also like reading biographies, just to see how people's lives have been shaped and the choices that they that they made, and you find out what motivated a person and why they did what they did, and and sometimes you can actually learn from their mistakes and be and be inspired by their example. First Corinthians ten, Paul's writing to the church, and he's doing that in a, in kind of a, a way this morning. He invites us to uh, look back on the history of the children of Israel, especially in the desert. He pulls that Exodus photo album out and uh, opens it up a little bit. Of course, we have in the story of the Exodus, the story of how God miraculously 
calls his people out of slavery and leads them to the promised land, to Canaan. The people were in slavery for over 400 years. They cried out to God, who sent them a deliverer, Moses, and he delivered them. It's a fascinating story about an amazing God who went to miraculous lengths to save his people in many miraculous ways. Uh, the interesting thing about that story, though, is that the people weren't quite so miraculous and they weren't quite so amazing in their response. <laughs> and they lost an opportunity for blessing along the way. Paul says it's important for us to look at their story, to remember it, and to learn from it. These are our ancestors in the faith, the children of Israel. And their story is written for a reason, the photo album that we have in the scriptures. And so Paul says in 10 verse 1, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of what happened to them. So that what happened to most of them does not happen to us in the church today. So what happened to the children of Israel in the desert? And what are we supposed to learn from their example? Well, let's pray and ask the Lord to teach us today. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the uh, Alpha and the Omega, and that you are the author of Scripture by your Holy Spirit. And invite, we invite you to open up this uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 13 for us today, to look at the children of Israel, what they went through, and to see it as these people as being our ancestors, and what can we learn from them, and how can it encourage us today in our time of temptation with whatever we may be facing today. I pray it be a special encouragement to those who are facing deep temptation this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So the first thing he wants us to see is that Israel was blessed in many ways. Uh, he says, you know, we are a lot alike. We've been given a lot of things just like them. We have seen God's hands of salvation, and they did too. The, but the Israelites, they saw it quite uh, literally. I mean, they saw miracles, right? They saw the plagues. They saw water coming out of a rock. They saw the Red Sea parting. They saw some amazing things. And they saw God's power being displayed over nature. Okay, And so Paul recounts, these are the things that they, that they experienced as people of faith. They, they were under the cloud, he says. Literally that cloud that went ahead of them, remember, through the, through the wilderness, it led them. And at night it burned like a pillar of fire. Imagine, you know, we, we often ask God, why don't you lead me? Why don't you show me where I should go? Well, these people quite literally had this. They had this cloud, and when the cloud moved, they moved. Go this way, follow the cloud. And at night, they had the pillar, and, and the presence was there with them all the time. Wouldn't it be nice to have a cloud to guide you when you're wondering what to do? Well, these people had that. He says they also, they passed through the sea. Uh, Exodus chapter 14. God led them straight up to the sea. And they had soldiers on one side, Pharaoh's army, and the sea on the other. And then he said, watch, I'm going to do something. And he literally opened up the sea, and they could follow through, and they could pass through on dry land. Wouldn't you think that would be an amazing thing? What would that be like? It'd be, as you're walking on an ocean bed, and there's walls of water on either side, I think you'd remember that. That would have an impact on you. Would you ever doubt God's power to save you if you'd experienced something like that? They also had Moses, a great leader, a man of God, a man of great courage and vision. And, he, and Paul says, uh, uh, God gave them these other things. He gave them food and drink, manna, food from heaven. When there was no food, it would drop down from the sky. They'd get up in the morning, and here's food. 
And they get water from a rock. There'd be no water. And they would, uh, the leaders would speak to a rock and it would gush forth. Wouldn't you think that with all these resources, all these miracles, that they would have followed God faithfully into Canaan? That was God's intent. His intent was that it would only take a few months or whatever time it would take to get there. But Paul says, nevertheless, he says, God was not pleased with most of them. And most of them did not enter. Most of them who left Egypt did not enter the land. They died wandering around in big circles in the desert. He says their bodies were scattered. And of the original group that left, only Caleb and Joshua entered the land. The children did, the young ones. It's almost like God skipped a generation. The younger ones entered under 20, but the parents didn't. And they wandered for 40 years. And their bodies were buried you know, they go around in circles and they'd probably come back and see the grave markers of the people that they buried on the last circle. And not even Moses, their leader, made it to the promised land. Paul says, uh, we need to think about this. <laughs> people who have had every blessing and every opportunity to enter the land, but somehow refused it and missed out. Who spent their lives wandering and never entering God's rest, God's promised land for them. He's saying, watch out, because you can miss that too. You can miss out on the kind of life, the kind of rest. The book of Hebrews talks about that too. It says, be careful you do not miss out entering God's rest. And I don't think he's talking about salvation here, but he's talking about a quality of life that we call eternal life. So what happened to these people? Well, Paul tells us in verses 6 to 10, he said it had to do with their hearts. And it seems like whenever things got difficult for them, whenever there was a challenge, whenever they had to wait upon God, they turned away from God to other things quite quickly. And their problem had two aspects. He says the first thing, he says they, their hearts turned to idols quite early on. He says, do not be idolaters, because that's what they became quite early, as some of them were. An idol, very simply, is, is something that you or I turn to as a source of life. Something that we think will give life to us. And he refers to Exodus 32. When Moses was a long, remember he was a long time coming down from the mountain. And immediately they got Aaron to, what, make an idol for them. To create an idol from jewelry, from gold. Idolatry is treating something that is created as the creator, as a source of life for, for us. And so he made this calf out of gold, which they knew hadn't delivered them, but they danced around it and they said, you calf have delivered us, you are our source of life. Because they were impatient with waiting for God and waiting for Moses to come down. They wanted relief from their waiting. So they turned to something else for life. And they said, the calf, the calf brought us out, even though they knew it didn't. Another example he gives in verse 8, he, he says they turned to sexual immorality. Numbers 25, which is an account of the Israelite men going out and uh, getting involved with Moabite women who led them as part of their worship. And uh, as part of their worship, they, they had sexual intercourse with these women which is really sounds strange to us, but it was a turning to a sensual pleasure instead of God as, a, as the person of worship. And God actually had to bring a plague on them to get the thing stopped. 
idolatry, pleasure? Where does my heart look for life to instead of God? What do I turn to or who do I turn to when I get tired of waiting? It can be almost anything, folks. It can be evil things, but it can be also be very good things like your own family or work or whatever it is. The Israelites saw the miracles, Paul says, but in a very short time they were dancing around a calf. What leads us to do that? Well, I think there's a deeper problem. We can say, well, it's idol worship, but why do we worship idols? You know, like what's, what would lead people to do that? Why do we do that? I think there's a deeper problem which, which Paul gets to. Why do we turn away from God to idols when we are tested, when things get difficult for us? Well, I think he, he nails it in verses 9 and 10. It has to do with our own attitudes about God. We do not believe in the goodness of God. When things get challenging for us, our tendency is to question his character. Why? Because I think very deep down, we wonder whether he really is good. Paul says in verse 9, he says, the people, what they did is they put God to the test. They challenged him. Numbers 21, he's referring to this passage. He says, Numbers 21, the people were just sick and tired of traveling in the desert. And they questioned God's goodness. And they questioned his intent for them. They questioned his character. They said to Moses, they said, and they said to God, why have you brought us out here to die in the desert? There's no bread here. There's no water here. And we hate this miserable manna. We're sick of the stuff. They tested God. They're saying, God, we don't really believe that you're good. You have evil intent for us. You led us out here to let us suffer. And often when things are difficult or when evil comes to us, we see this. I see this in my own life. I question the character of God. God, why are you doing this to me? Why do I not get relief from my pain? I question your character. And what I find is these times of testing expose what we really believe about God. So if you're in a time of testing, a time of temptation, a time of struggle right now, which seems terrible to you, there is a gift in this because what it is doing, I think, and the scripture teaches it, is exposing what we really believe about God. See, when things are going fine, yes, God is good, God is wonderful, but have something difficult happen or have a time of waiting in your life. You're waiting for something to happen or have a time where things just aren't going your way relationally or whatever it might be. And what we really believe about God begins to be exposed, which leads to Paul says in the next verse, he says, which leads to grumbling against God. And here he refers to, he's, he's referring to numbers 14, the time when they sent the spies into Canaan, right? Choose 12 and they go in and Caleb and Joshua come back and they say, man, we can take this land. It's a good land. It's flowing with milk and honey. We can take it with the Lord's help. Let's go. Let's do it. And the others said, no, we can't take it. They're too big for us. We're like grasshoppers. The men of the land are too strong. So what was happening here is they were being confronted with a challenge. God wasn't just going to give them a land. He's saying, you got to go in and take it, but I'll go with you. I'll fight with you. And they said, no. We want it an easy life. We want to go back to Egypt. If only we had died in Egypt or in, de in, in the desert. Why did the Lord bring us out here to die? They grumbled against him. 
we should go back to Egypt. You know, sometimes the slavery that we know, this is what I'm finding in my own life, the old ways of not trusting God is more comfortable to me than the challenge of stepping out in faith and embracing the life and the challenge that God has for me. And I grumble against God. So testing exposes what we really believe about God. And they really didn't believe him. So God says, I heard your grumbling and your questioning of my character. He says, if you want to stay out here, stay out here. I will do the things you say. You will wander for 40 years in the desert. And no one's going to enter but Caleb and Joshua. But those two men believed in God's goodness. They did not question his character. Well, what does this mean? Does it mean that they lost their salvation somehow or, or God abandoned them? I, I don't think so. I think because even Moses, right, the man of God, did not enter the land. And he's with the Lord now. It wasn't about salvation, but they missed the blessing of entering the land in this life. God wanted them to enter into Canaan. He wanted them to see how powerful a God he was and how he would deliver them. But they missed out on all that, and they wandered in the desert, an entire generation for 40 years, and died there because they simply did not believe God was good and that God was capable. Paul says in verse 11, he says, these things have happened to warn us. And then he gets serious. He says in verse 12, he says, take care lest you fall. So in other words, if we allow ourselves the luxury of questioning God's character and grumbling against him and complaining when things become difficult for us and not trusting in him. Be careful because it's possible to be God's people and never enter his rest through idolatry and unbelief. So I guess the question for us is when things get difficult for me, do I question God and turn to an idol, another source of life? Or do I turn to God and wait upon him? And this all is the background uh, to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the one that we quote to each other very often. It's a famous verse. Now we have it in context. He says, no temptation. What kind of temptation do you think this might be about? This may not be just to do something minor. This is a temptation to doubt God's goodness, to question him, to grumble against his character, and to enter into the realm of unbelief. He says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Every person has been tempted to do this, including Jesus Christ, right? In his time of temptation in the desert, what did Satan try to get him to do? To, to, doubt, to doubt God's goodness, to doubt his own identity, and that God would take care of him. Jesus even faced this. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness to turn away and to doubt his father. It's common to all of us. But, Paul says, God is faithful. He is good. And this is what we affirm today. God is not leading you out into the desert or the wilderness of your temptation, whatever it might be, to destroy you. God is, in his wisdom and his, I guess you might say, severe mercy sometimes, exposing, if you'll look at it, what you really believe about him. And your time of testing can actually be your friend because it exposes truth and exposes the idols that you and I turn to for life instead of to God. And it exposes the wrong beliefs that we have about God. And I think I'm going through one of these right now. 
where God is saying, look, I'm exposing what you really believe about me. You can embrace me and enter into life, or you can stay in the wilderness, but the choice is yours. He says, I am faithful, and I will provide a way out. Paul says, God will provide a way out of you, out for you, if you repent of your unbelief and turn from the idols and turn to him alone. Isaiah 30.15 is a verse that's uh, been quite meaningful to me lately, where Isaiah writes, he says, in re- and the Lord says, in repentance and in rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. The way out that Paul, I think, is talking about here, he says, God will also provide a way out. I think it's through repentance, turning away from idols, and resting in the character and the goodness of God. So I don't know what you're facing today. Because all of our temptations, always, they always root and they always trace all the way back to what we really believe about God. And uh, let's be honest and just say that many times we question his character. We question his goodness. We wonder, why have you led me out here just to let me die in the desert? And we don't affirm his goodness. And so God, Paul is saying, and God is saying, look, repent of that. I am good. I will provide a way out for you when you turn from the idols and when you turn to me and affirm your belief in me once again. I think that's the invitation of this passage today. So let's pray this morning. I want to pray for all of us. Father, just quoting Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, it says, We do not have a high priest, that is Jesus, who who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Many of us are in the desert, Lord, and we're questioning. But we do have one, a high priest, who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet is without sin. Jesus, you were tempted in the desert, in the wilderness, to do these very things, and yet you did not succumb. You held on to your relationship, your belief in your good Father. Hebrews goes on to invite us, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may find mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Lord, I want to pray especially for those of us who are struggling um, with whatever temptation it might be, the temptation to doubt you, the temptation to turn to idols, the temptation to not believe in your goodness and your character. Lord, we repent of that and lead us to repentance and lead us to resting in your good character because we know you are good. Your word tells us, Jesus, you've demonstrated it to us through the incarnation and your death and your resurrection. You are a good God and you have good plans for us. So walk with us together, Lord, as a church, and let us encourage one another to put our trust in you and to turn from idols. We ask it in Christ's name.